Listen up, real estate investors, entrepreneurs, and agents. You're in the right place. Unlocking the secrets to real estate investing and entrepreneurship. Welcome to the Titanium Vault, hosted by RJ Bates III. Here's RJ. Hello, and welcome to the Titanium Vault. I'm your host, RJ Bates. Today, I'm sitting down with Chuck Taylor. Chuck, how are you doing? Doing good, RJ. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. Thanks for being on the show. So uh, I know we, we've gotten a, to meet a couple times. You're here local to the Dallas-Fort Worth market, and we've met at a couple of meetups and networking events. But uh, for the people that don't know you, why don't you take a second to introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about what you do in real estate investing. All right. Um, yeah. Again, Chuck Taylor. Um, I'm based here in Dallas. Um uh, company is called the Tayton Brothers. It's actually me and my brother. Um, he is in Austin, Texas. So those are the two markets that we operate in. Um, and over the past year, we've transitioned from wholesaling um, into doing our own residential projects uh, in both the Dallas and Austin markets. Awesome, man. So I definitely kind of want to dive into more of what you're doing with Tayton right now, but let's go back to the beginning. Let's let's figure out how did you get into real estate investing and what kind of drove you to real estate investing? Uh, well, it's a funny story. Um, always been an entrepreneur at heart, but my background is serving tables and bartending. Um, so with that, one of my first i guess big ventures was with my brother again opening a bar um on sixth street still there today it's called the gatsby and uh that was actually my first real estate development experience (laughs) and a huge learning lesson for us um and to answer your question we got into real estate out of necessity Um, I was bartending in Dallas, moved to Austin to open this bar with my brother. We raised the capital um, from a local uh, bar guy down there in Austin, Scott Cook, and another bartender, uh, Mary, that we knew here in Dallas. And we went, rented out a space on 6th Street and had no idea how much work it was going to be to get it up to code and uh in operating condition um so, so from where you did you actually have to like develop the the unit itself to be, become a bar or was it already ready to be a bar yeah so it wasn't ready at all <laughs> okay we liked the building because the concept was it was called the gatsby and it was originally a 1920s craft cocktail concept so we liked the appeal of the building um we had we were a little naive we had about 150k and thought we were going to get the bar operating with that uh ended up being a historical building and costing us about a million dollars to develop it and get it operational Ooh. <laughs> yeah wow um so needless to say, we had to bring on investors there. Uh, that was my first kind of 
investment experience, uh, pitching a deal, getting somebody locked in and exchange of money. From there, the the hiccup that what caused us to kind of fall into real estate was um, it was a South by Southwest contract that I was negotiating with Pandora. And they wanted to rent our space out for a large sum. It was over 200K. And that was pretty much going to make us or break us. So the city of Austin said, you cannot open for South by Southwest. Um, we fought it. We talked to city council two times and finally got their approval. But the agreement was we had to hire a fire watch to watch it every day. And then once um, South by Southwest is over, we have to close it down and we cannot reopen until it's 100% up to code. Mm. <laughs> From there, uh, you know, I was pretty... I was out of money on a personal level. The business was out of money. The investors, you know, weren't going to pay us any salaries if the bar wasn't operational. And that closure was supposed to be three weeks per our general contractor and ended up turning into a seven month closure, oh. which is what led to us venturing out and dabbling at the time into real estate. Wow. That is. That is uh, one story right there, man. That's uh, that's crazy that like your first venture as like an entrepreneur and, and the, in real estate, you had to go out and raise that kind of money because, man, I, I know people that have been in this game for a long time and have never attempted to raise that kind of money. That's very impressive that you were able to do that. Um, for, for people that are, because I get this question all the time, you know, what's a good way to raise private capital and, and get investors to come in? What give like a good tip on how you were able to raise that kind of money for that venture? Because I'm sure there's something that you you did or a, a strategy that you used to raise money that kind of transitioned into now what you're doing with just real estate investing. Uh, what's a what's the best tip on raising private capital like that? Um, you know, first thing I'm going to say here, and and I'm learning this still. You know, RJ, this game is, you got to constantly learn if right. you want to grow. Um, first thing you got to do is ask. You'd be super surprised, um, you know, at, at the willingness some people have to invest. Uh, it may not be a million dollars, but first thing I would say is ask. Um, the second thing that was in our favor at the time is we had skin in the game. So... We were able to walk these investors into a building. It wasn't just a paper concept at the at that time. Uh, we had already started some construction, and we were able to walk them in and really let them understand and get the the whole vision. And then, lastly, I would say the thing that helped us most, um, and you can translate this into the real estate game, is you know we had in essence, um, some long-term cash flow because the Pandora thing wasn't a one-time thing. Yes, I was negotiating that contract for the first year, but they loved the venue enough where they were talking about doing it, you know, five years out. And, and they have. They still rent the place out for South by Southwest. So that was 
you know, a promise to the investor that, hey, even if the sales on a day to day basis don't turn out to what they're going to be, there's going to be a good amount of income coming in at least once a year. Gotcha. So you go through this experience and it doesn't turn out the way that you wanted it to turn out. And you said you transitioned from this into real estate. What was the first strategy or, or steps that you took in real estate investing after this? Uh, well, as I think most entrepreneurs, you know, they've gotten started or their point of success came from a painful experience. Um, and this was a very painful experience for us. Me and my brother had downsized. We moved out of our apartments um, and we moved in to, it was actually a duplex, um, 500 square foot was the side that we lived on. It was me and my brother and another guy, Josh Brunsman, and our two 60-pound dogs. <laughs> wow. Um, from there, I was, you know, just did what I know the best to do, and I just kept pushing. And so I read, I was working out, and I was literally owned my own bar, but was picking up bartending shifts at other friends' bars <laughs> to, to make ends meet and to buy groceries. Um, tired of doing that, uh, being around 30 years old and having a daughter, I was kind of questioning life. And believe it or not, some people are going to love this and some people hate it, but it was Robert Kiyosaki revisiting the book, Rich Dad, Poor Dad, that, you know, kind of spurred the whole interest in real estate. Right. But for us, we were like, we're broke. <laughs> we, we can't go buy rental properties um, and we need cash like right now. So I remember seeing, you know, these crazy, stupid infomercials, like, blah, blah, no money down. <laughs> and I just started YouTubing. And after about, I don't know, 80 to 100 hours of YouTube videos, my brother had his, had broke his collarbone. We were playing uh, flag football. And then, you know, once again, the bar was closed. So we literally just sat on the couch all week. We watched YouTube videos. And um, I remember a staple was, I think his name is Matt Theralt, uh, Epic Real Estate Investor. Okay. And he had a online course at the time that was free, and it was via YouTube. And we ran through that entire course that week and set out to wholesale. Josh Brunsman, our third roommate, was getting his real estate license. Um, we talked him into it. And within two weeks, we had two properties under contract and assigned. Um, and I think we made $27,000 between those two deals. That's awesome. So and, how were you able to go get those properties? Like, were you driving for dollars, bandit signs? You know, what methods did you use to acquire those properties? You know, um, I, I, I love to share this experience, actually, because first thing we did was we started to network. Um, 
we knew that one, we needed to have a buyer's list. Um, and two, I think you can learn a lot online, but you learn some really good stuff from the local people that are in the game, yep. you know? So we started networking. Um, and it's funny because during, we found some buyers, but also, you know, we found some advice and one was, you know, don't, you're not going to find deals on MLS. Don't do MLS deals. And then the second other advice was don't go to East Austin. It's saturated. So, uh, of course we were doing direct mail, uh, at the house, printing stuff in, licking, sticking the envelopes or so. <laughs> but we, those first two deals were side by side lots on MLS in East Austin. Yes. I love it. <laughs> I love it. I love hearing stories like that, man, because there's so many people out there that tell you what not to do. And it's mm -hmm. like, uh, every time I hear stories like that, the end result is somehow magically that's what you were supposed to do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I'm telling you, I got the, the exact same start where we got deals off the MLS and I would be told like, there's no good deals on the MLS. Don't even waste your time. Mm -hmm. But when you're getting started, it's free. I mean, it's like you're mm -hmm. sitting at home. I, I remember when I first got started. I would sit at home and I hadn't watched Game of Thrones at all. And one time I, I was like, oh, everybody talks about this show or Game of Thrones. So I started watching it and I would sit with my laptop in my lap while I was watching Game of Thrones, searching for properties on the MLS. And I don't know. I can't tell you how many deals I got doing that, like at 11 o'clock midnight, finding deals on the MLS that we would end up being able to assign to buyers for Ten, fifteen, twenty thousand dollars. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, yeah. I mean it, it's just free and available for anybody to search. So that's awesome. So you were able to get those. Were the buyers from your networking that you had a, you had met at networking events? Okay, now on that, uh, no. Um, you know, I'd like to add in too. Those two properties on the east side were were not the ends. That actually was our niche. Um, we did 80% of our business in East Austin selling lots to developers. Gotcha. Um, so the first buyer we found, we pretty much were, I guess you could say driving for dollars. We, we had properties under contract. We walked one guy, uh, his name was John through one of the properties. Uh, one was a vacant lot and one had an old, old house, probably like 1920s. So we walked John through the house uh originally intended to sell it as a remodel and he walked it and he was like man this is uh it's a teardown you know it was listed for 230 we got it under contract for 162 uh you know so it was a a good deal but not for him as a remodel so he suggested we reach out to some builders and that's when we started driving and you know again if when you're hungry, if you stay hungry, you'll do whatever it takes. So we just right. started calling every single builder. Um, and I believe it was the second builder. Uh, I got to give him a shout out to his name is Daniel Reeves with Verde Builders in Austin. Okay. It didn't work with him for him, but he said, hey, 
I want you to call up Sal Martinez from MX3 Homes. He'll probably be a player on these lots. And I found his number online, got a hold of him, and sure enough, he was a cool guy, pretty young, had left Dell, started this home building company, and right off the bat, he was like, man, I think these are deals. Um, so he ended up buying both of them, and we went and picked up two $5,000 checks uh, the next day and almost jumped through the roof of our car because we were so <laughs> excited. <laughs> so, all right, I want to go back to something that you just said. So you got these two properties off the MLS. Yes, the sir. one was listed for two thirty, and you got it for one sixty two. Correct. Who was writing the contracts? What realtor was writing contracts for you? Well, at the time, Josh Brunsman, our third partner in Third Angle, he had gotten his license. He had gotten his license, and he was writing the contracts for us. Okay. So the reason why I bring this up is because whoever your realtor is or whoever's going to be the person writing up contracts for you is so important. I've had realtors before because, you know, we're, we're in all these crazy locations, right? So uh -huh. we go to Alaska or Hawaii and, you know, we have to, we have to get new realtors in all these different locations here in Texas. My partner, Cassie is now a licensed agent, so we don't have to worry about this, but we go to these new locations and it's like, we find this deal and we analyze it and we're like, yeah, I know it's listed for 230, but I want to put in an offer for 162. I can't tell you how many times I've been told, don't waste your time. You won't get it. Yeah. And I've said, bye-bye. You're not my realtor. We bring in another realtor, we write the contract, and we get it. Mindset and who you're working with is so important. And don't ever allow someone in your business that has that negative mentality or mindset that can impact you. Imagine if you had worked with another realtor that wasn't your partner and then said, that's listed for 230. There's, there's no way in the world you'll get that under contract. Cause I've had that told to me. I'm, I'm not even joking, probably a hundred times. And, and when I first got started, it would impact me. Like I was like, Oh, you're right. I'm going to get a bad reputation for lowballing, but it's not lowballing. You can go to them and explain to them why you're making that offer. Yes. Here's my numbers. This is why I'm offering you this. This is why you're not selling it at 230. So mm -hmm. just want to go on a little rant there because, I mean, if you think about it, that's a $68,000 difference between list price and what you executed the contract for. Yeah. But there was a reason behind it. And the value that you brought to that seller is that you found an end buyer who otherwise wasn't going to be searching the MLS to find that property. Yes. And I, uh, to add what you said, RJ, you know, I think a lot of your, the value that you provide as a wholesaler or as a buyer, you know, is sometimes to educate these people. Yep. Um, we do it a lot on, you know, we're looking at a lot of multifamily deals right now and, a lot of people think the property is worth $70 a square foot and it's, you know, truly worth 50 and being able to break it down and explain to them the reasons why it's, it's very valuable. And a lot of times it'll lend you that deal. Absolutely, man. I, I say it all the time as a wholesaler, 
there's times where you have to be more knowledgeable as a wholesaler than you do as a landlord or a rehabber. As someone who's done all of it, I mean, if you're going to be a wholesaler, you have to understand how to break down the numbers and analyze it as both a rehabber and a landlord. Explain that to the seller. Find a way to create margin for yourself as the wholesaler. And then be able to sell that and explain those numbers to the end buyer who is either the rehabber, the developer, or the landlord. And so, to me, I will always have the utmost respect for successful wholesalers that can do that and understand the game. I mean, to me, it's it's you're, you're kind of a jack-of-all-trades, but you have to be in, intelligent and knowledgeable about how to break down those deals almost more so than the people that are actually buying the deals from you. And so, Mm -hmm. um, as someone who's done all of it, I I always look at wholesalers and when, when wholesalers bring me good deals, man, I love it more than anything. I I love paying assignment fees and double closes and all of that from wholesalers because it's like, dude, I know what it took for you to get that. So it's, it's amazing. So anyways, aside from that, so you got those couple deals, this is down in Austin, right? So let's let's quickly kind of go through how did you eventually transition from Austin and now you're up here to Dallas Fort Worth? How did that take place? You know, that was kind of a kind of a whim. We had some friends. We, you know, we immediately went from <laughs> I guess the only phrase I could come up with is uh, zero to hero. Um, you know, things were were rough at the bar. During the closure, I, I remember I didn't even have money to cut my hair. You know, and those certain things like that, they, they start to sh- show after time. And then we um, hit a good amount of success in Austin. And, um, you know, I actually didn't have a car for eight years. Um, so I, I was able to go and buy a car and, you know, get all my insurance and licenses, all that stuff straightened out. And, uh, you know, a lot of my friends saw that. And there's also uh, a boom, I guess, beginning to happen to the, to the nor- you know, the everyday person that, that was visible in, in Dallas. So we had, it was probably four or five friends kind of, you know, nudging us, asking us about doing real estate in Dallas. And we attempted to expand and i got to give you kudos on that uh rj that you are you know able to do these deals and operate in other markets uh remotely and i saw your post about finding the right partners and stuff yeah um but for us at the time i guess you know call us inexperienced uneducated it was difficult for us to really catch traction and get things going in Dallas without one of us being here. Yep. Um, I had previously worked here, have have a huge network. I don't know if it was the right network. Uh, It was all, you know, I was a bartender downtown. So, of course, I knew, you know, everybody in the nightlife. But, um, you know, that's what we were kind of thinking. Like, hey, we got a a huge network up there already. We're already established. We know people. Um, and I remember I was about a month and a half, um, 
it was about a month and a half before I actually moved. And I drove up here to Dallas and I told my partners, I was like, Hey man, think I'm going to make the move to expand. Of course I got the okay from them because you know, we were, we were making some good in- income in Austin and I literally drove to East Dallas, lower Greenville and Ross and saw a townhome for rent. First one I walked, rented it, still live here to this day. <laughs> and, um, just been going ever since. So you made the move up here. I know you, you've kind of made some transitions and, you know, you've got a newer company now in, in Austin and in Dallas and, and I love y'all's name. So you're Chuck Taylor. Your brother is, his last name is Eaton, right? Yes, sir. And that's how y'all came up with Tayton. I love that. <laughs> that's, I love that creativity there. Um, because, because I think branding is important and, and so many people, you know, they kind of don't put time and effort into that. And y'all are building a brand um, with with Tayton now. So I love that. Um, where's the business at today? You, you know, you kind of said that you're you're still wholesaling some, but now you're taking down some of your own fix and flips and even trying to expand into the de- development side of things. So kind of break down what it looks like today and, and what your team looks like and what y'all are mainly focused on. Um. Yeah, we... So with Third Angle, uh, Josh Brunsman, he kind of went his own way and did. He actually has, you know, kept the um, Third Angle brand, and he, you know, just started a company called Third Angle Developments. He's doing commercial real estate down in Austin, uh, more on, you know, utilizing his license and things like that. And my brother and I decided we wanted to get into doing our own projects. Um, so we raised some capital from some friends. We actually had gotten some loans from those guys during the, uh, the bar. And, you know, these are 10, 15, $20,000 loans, but we had paid those back, you know, faithfully as we were supposed to. And so, you know, we had good, I guess you can call it street credit. And, um, that's kind of how it started. That's where we raised our, our first, um, couple chunks of money. And now today, we have a couple guys. They're from Chicago. One lives in Houston. One lives in Austin. Um, we've got a great relationship with them. And they are basically willing to fund almost all of our deals. So we are now we have, let's see, six flips in the pipeline. And we are inking our first a uh, new development deal. It's um, going to be five townhomes here in East Dallas. And we love the flips. Um, those are great, you know, 90, 120 day turnarounds, uh, pretty good paydays. Uh, the new development, it's just something I don't, we've had a kind of had a knack for. You know, we, we did it in Austin, here in Dallas. Our first four wholesale deals were MF2 uh, lots here in this, this little pocket. And, you know, that's where we're at today, looking for more multifamily properties we can build on. we got a, a good builder we've been talking to, and now we have the capital or the capital available. So really just uh, finding the dirt. <laughs> that's cool, man. So kind of going back to the, the beginning there, you, you kind of talked about, you know, when, when times are tough 
and and you were you you brought up working out and for anybody that hasn't met Chuck yet um he's the guy at the local DFW meetups that makes the rest of us guys look like we are full on dad bods <laughs> he looks like he's flexing when he's just like holding a drink and so I know health and fitness is is important to you you've kind of had a some side jobs or, or temporary jobs in, in that field and kind of talk about, you know, why is that so important to you? I know you're, you're big on like mindset and mentality and, and you've kind of, you know, shared on social media a couple of times how important that is. And it kind of refreshes you mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of talk about the importance of that in your life. Well, I think I found, uh, you know, some, some entrepreneurs will say, hell no, you know, screw balance. But um, for me, that's something that I've, you know, try to maintain. I'd like to be success, like truly wealthy, you know. And I think I think truly being wealthy is just not a bunch of zeros in your bank account. Um, you know, it's it's being mind, body, spirit, you know. And I think if those things are in line, it's a little easier for you to navigate through business. Um, and then being in shape for me, you know, I did a competition at one time that was kind of the, the extreme, um, not, you know, really my cup of tea, but I like to maintain my fitness. So I try to make it to the gym, um, you know, four or five times a week. And then just, uh, you know, actually you can check it out. There's, um, it's called flexible dieting. So that's what I do. And, you know, you count your, you count your food on your phone. There's multiple apps you can use my fitness pal. And it basically, as long as you're eating the calories you need to eat and you can stay within those calories, you can kind of have some flexibility. You know, if you want to have a steak or maybe you want to have a bowl of ice cream, something like that, that way I'm not just eating chicken breast and broccoli every day, all day. (laughs) So, yeah, I, do that and of course you know i think mindset uh is important being resilient um in business um knowing those things again whenever we were down and i said you know you'll um when you're down you're in a painful situation you'll do whatever it takes right well i think a lot of times if we don't have the awareness or yeah, I guess awareness would be the right word, then you can get complacent real easy without noticing. So, you know, I stay on top of mindset. I don't read as much as I used to, but try to pick up a book for five minutes, 10 minutes every day, make it to the gym every day. And then once those things are knocked out in the morning, it's all business. Cool, After man. that. I know another thing that you talked about was is when you got started, networking was very important for you. Now here locally in DFW, you have a local meetup. You call it all kinds of different things. I know the main name is Coffee and Collaboration, uh, but y'all do all kinds of fun stuff. I haven't made it out to one of the events yet, but uh, it, it seems like that's a that's a big important thing for you is to kind of have those networking events and open up opportunities for people to come out and kind of just network and find ways to work together. Mm-hmm. Um, is that important because that had such an impact on you when you first got started? Yeah. You know, two things about 
networking. I think getting started, the networking itself is very, very important. Building contacts, relationships. Um, I think at some point, you know, in your marketplace, you get to a point where you know most of the people and, you know, you're able to call up somebody, ask them a question or call somebody up and, you know, sell them a deal or, or whatnot. Uh, what I've found value at, and I host one myself because, you know, it's kind of my way of giving back to the real estate community. Um, but the, the real valuable thing I've been finding out of these meetups, um, including the ones we're doing and other people's, is the information that you learn there. Uh, a lot of these people are, you know, willing to share some valuable, valuable information uh, to guys that come that have come to a couple of the events. And, and I know you talked to him, RJ. Uh, Austin Good, who he's mm -hmm. working at a pretty high level, doing some developments. Um, you know, you would think that guy wouldn't have the time to stop at a coffee meetup, but he's come out and he's shared some valuable information. Um, whether it's, you know, like on, online, I think he shared something about opportunity zones, but little things like that, that you may not catch in your newsfeed or in a real estate education course. And then, you know, another guy is uh, a Jawad Dashti and same thing. He shows up and his willingness to share information and experiences, um, you know, you find out some, some value. Good. Again, golden nuggets, things that you can't just extract from the internet sometimes absolutely man and uh i'm glad you brought up both austin and jawad um they both been guests here on the titanium vault great episodes great interviews and uh i'm, I'm blessed to call both of them friends um just guys that give just amazing content for for free I mean, if you just follow them on Facebook, I, I think both of them have, are maxed out with the 5,000 friends, but just go follow them and and go look at their timeline of just the content that they give about buying rental properties, if it's Jawad or, or Fix and Flips, and, and then Austin's in the development side of things, and just uh, amazing content that they're always uh, giving out. So yes, I agree, and, and then the fact that they go to these uh, meetups uh, very easy to approach and just talk and, mm -hmm. and you know if you're not local to the dfw market and you're like well i don't really care so much about austin or jawad they're still great to follow because their concepts transition into other markets and uh, and if you don't have this kind of community in your real estate market go create an event go create a networking event and and start creating it because the only reason why that exists here in dfw is because there's people out there like Chuck that created his coffee and collaboration and now Austin and Jawad are showing up to it and, and dropping this great content. So if you don't have it in your market, go create it. Absolutely. I mean, and another thing to add on the networking thing is when you, even if you create an event, like you suggested and you create that venue for those type of people to come in, you're talking about another value add on the networking side is rubbing shoulders with hard hitters like that you might be cranking out so many wholesale deals a month or you might be doing a certain amount of projects every six months but when you see in a guy that has 
came from nothing and has 40, 50 plus cash flow indoors, or you see another guy doing a 75, you know, duplex development, it makes you, forces you to get your thinking up, you know? So anyways. Absolutely, man. Well, Chuck, our time is up, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, sharing your story. Um, I, I felt like we could have gotten a, a lot more. I could have done this uh, twice as long, but uh, I try to keep them within a certain time frame. So thank you so much for uh, coming on the show with us today. Yeah, thank you so much for having me, and uh, we'll see you around soon. Hopefully we catch you at one of these coffee and collaborations. Absolutely, man. All right, guys, that's our show for us today. Um, if you haven't yet, please jump on iTunes and uh, drop us a, a review. I, I'm going to get better about this. I'm going to start reminding you all every week. Uh, we need some more reviews on uh, iTunes. That helps us get our word out to more people. And uh, eventually we'll figure out iTunes little algorithm. So thank you guys. And uh, we'll see y'all next week. Thanks so much for listening to the Titanium Vault. With your host, RJ Banks III. For more info and to stay up to date, visit www.podcast.thetitaniumvault.com and on facebook.com slash thetitaniumvault. If you enjoyed the episode, please rate and review. And we'll catch you next time on the Titanium Vault.